Hello everyone, welcome to Standing Tall Podcast. My name is Andrea Ventura and I'm here to talk about my life experiences as a model, share my best tips and advices on how you can become one too, discuss news about diversity in the industry and so much more, basically reminding you all to stand tall. In today's episode, I have the honor of interviewing Ali Ray. Ali is not only a petite model, but a true force of nature. After losing one of her breasts, she was able to save her life, but her agents dropped her. Failing to find someone to look up to to not feel so alone, she decided to become that person for others. Ali ended up becoming the first model with one breast to be published in Vanity Fair and Glamour magazine. She was able to find agents that love her for who she is, made it to top 60 at Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Search in 2019, and is currently working as a model, proving us that nothing can really get in the way of our dreams. Okay, thank you so much for being here on my podcast. Of course, my pleasure. Um, well, we recently connected through IG. I think it was like, what, like in February, I think you, you messaged me? Yeah. And yeah, so like, well, first of all, like how did you even like fi- found me? Oh, um, you did the... The Owl City song where it's like I couldn't believe my eyes and that Owl City is my favorite band so when he popped up on TikTok or like it popped up on TikTok I was like oh I'm gonna watch this and it was like all the models who are like doing something you know great in the industry and I was like oh I love that so I was like oh to add to that and I added like some things and I was uh-huh. like I like her I want to follow her so I found you on on Instagram oh nice yeah because I wasn't I wasn't sure because I, I I remember I think we were talking about like the slow season so yeah. I was and I had just actually made a video on YouTube about the slow season so I was wondering if by any chance maybe you have watched the video and that's why you were asking me about like the slow season no I had um seen your TikTok I followed you and then you had done like a question and answer and somebody asked you about the slow season so I was like oh I wonder what it's like for you because we were LA was already being hit with the coronavirus and things were already being canceled when I talked to you so I was yeah. like I wonder if it was happening on the east coast too so that's kind of how that, that happened. yeah because like I um I feel like a creeper now <laughs> no because <laughs> like, you know like I, I so I I remember that we were talking for a little bit before we actually like follow each other Mm-hmm. and the reason why like for at least for my side the reason why I and it's funny because we follow each other at the same time like when I decided to follow you I like a minute ago I think you have followed me yeah and the reason why I hadn't like followed you before is because I've had like like bad experiences before when like people are reaching out to me and the only thing that they want is for me to follow them and then they will not follow me Oh, they're just looking for like a you know a quick follow so since that happened to me like I don't really like follow people unless I actually first like if I I the best way for me to like actually connect with someone is obviously meeting them in person but obviously we talk for a, like we talk for like a three days maybe on on yeah, messages yeah and then I was just like no like I, I like her like she's cool <laughs> And then you turned out to be a Coco girl. So welcome to the family. Um, oh, yeah. I, I just did her, um, her yeah, class. And so it was really, really like good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the family. We're happy to have Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I noticed that on your um, IG bio, you have BRCA activist, mm-hmm. retired one boob badass. Could you tell us more about that? Yes. 
So BRCA, it's, it's B-R-C-A, but it's pronounced BRCA, um, oh, okay. is a genetic mutation. So um, what it is, what it is, is for breast cancer and ovarian cancer and a couple other cancers, but it mainly focuses on breast cancer and ovarian. And it's a genetic mutation that causes breast cancer and ovarian cancer. So I had an 89% chance of getting breast cancer and a 67% chance of getting ovarian cancer. And I found out, my mom's adopted, but um, I found out that I had the gene when my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. So they tested her because she didn't know any of her like background information. And when it came up positive, um, obviously it tested me. I had just turned 18. And so I was like, uh, that's not good. And they immediately told me I had to have a double mastectomy, but I put it off because I had just, I have a fly in my house, sorry. Um, I had just got married and my husband was deploying. So I was like, I'm gonna put this off for now. When he comes back, we'll focus on it. You know, I just want him to be in the right state of mind. My husband's in the Marine Corps, so mm -hmm. life. And so I, my, my life has been like a whole series of unfortunate events. My dad died from brain cancer when I was young. And then six years later, my mom got breast cancer. So I knew that this was something I wanted to do. So I, it wasn't even really a question when the doctors were like, you have to move your breast. I was like, cool. Um, so my husband comes back from deployment and I had my double mastectomy. So they um, cut underneath and they take out all your nerves, just everything, blood vessels, everything. And you have, so you don't have feeling anymore. Uh -huh. And then they go in and they put something called an expander. And what that does is it holds a pocket while, um, while you heal because it's just removed everything. So uh -huh. I went in for that. I had my surgery the next day when my mom and my husband were changing, like helping me change, they noticed that this entire left side was covered in blood, um, through the skin. So I went in for an emergency surgery and I had a blood clot. So they cleaned that out and they did all that. And you have something called drains. So I had two that like on each side that hang out of you. They're extremely painful. And eventually when they pull those out, they literally just cut and yank them. I went septic. So I had about 104 degree fever. I was in and out of consciousness. Um, I was sitting in the shower crying. I didn't know what was wrong with me. My husband was begging me to go to the doctor. I didn't want to go. Um, my mom was on the phone cause she was back home at this point and she's like, go to the emergency room. And I was like, no, I just want to go to sleep. I just want to go to sleep. And my husband was like, no, get up, like get up now. So he ended up getting me to the emergency room. They looked at me for like two seconds and they're like, you're dying. And I was like, huh? I mean, I'm like not there. And so they hit this button on a desk and I just hear code septic go over the like, and all these nurses rushed to me and my doctor, my surgeon came back and he was like, you're septic. We don't know what's wrong. Um, I don't know how to help you, which was terrifying to hear. And they um, went in, they basically were like, you might die. So say, say goodbye. Like, so me and my husband were like, okay. Um, and I woke up the next day and thank God, right? Um, yeah. And I had one boob. So they had to remove this expander completely. And um, I had like nothing here. And I had drains again, which was the worst part about it. And so I was in the hospital for about eight days. Uh, it was a lot. And that's how I became the one boob badass because I literally had one boob. So um, it was weird. It was like a, 
I, I got used to my body a little bit and then I went septic. So I had to get used to the new body. Mm-hmm. And so I, I liked it, but I was unsure, you know, cause it's like, I'm a model, I've been a model for 10 years. Well, at this time it wasn't 10 years, but I've been a model now for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm going to keep modeling. Right. I mean, that's what everyone thinks. I'm like, I'm going to keep, keep going. And my agents were oh, like, how, <laughs> sorry, how old are you now? I'm 24. 24. Okay. So that was six years ago. Mm, no, I, I found out I had BRCA when I was 18. I had my surgery when I was like 21. So it's been almost oh, okay. three years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that was confusing. Sorry. Like uh, skip timelines. It's a little blurry now. Um, my agents dropped me. Um, and they told me that I was no longer sexy to men, that I would never shoot swimwear again. And my modeling career was over and I cried so hard in the shower that I don't even like know how to like put into like perspective for people. I was, I was done. I was done. I, and I would sit and cry in the shower because I didn't want anyone to hear me because you know, my mom had the same stuff happen to her. So she looks the Mm -hmm. same as me. So like, how do you tell your mom that you don't think you look sexy? She looks the same. So I, I couldn't talk to her about it. My husband, every time I'm like, hey, babe, I hate, like, you know, like I had a mental breakdown. <laughs> um, he would be like, well, you're beautiful. What are you talking about? I'm like, nobody gets it. So yeah. I would just cry in the shower. And my husband one day was like, get out of the shower. Because he came in. He's like, get out. And I was like, no. And he was like, get out of the shower. And he grabbed his camera. My husband's a photographer. And he took a, just a picture of, like, that, the hole. And he's like, it's so beautiful. Like, stop, like, stop listening to them. And I'm like, man, okay. So I posted it on Instagram. I'm like, tell me, like, you know, here's this, whatever. Yeah. I kind of wanted to just talk to people. And mm-hmm. I got it like a, a positive feedback. And then I would go back in the shower and cry. And one day I desperately, desperately needed to find someone who looked like me. So I looked at models with breast cancer. I looked up actors, actresses, everything across the board. Nobody was like me. And, mm-hmm. I, and I knew somebody out there had, had to be like me. I'm not like the only person in the world with one boob. Like that was weird, you know, but yeah. nobody documenting it. And I was like, this is just crazy to me. So I was like, fine, I'll do it. So I went out and I bought a bunch of swimsuits and I was like, I'm doing this. And that's all I did for about seven, eight months with shoot swimwear by myself with my husband. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up being in Vanity Fair and Glamour as the first model with one breast and a swimsuit. So amazing. that was like, yeah, that was crazy because I was told I couldn't and then I, I did. So that yeah. was like the big turning point for me. It was mm-hmm. like, I'm, screw you guys, I'm doing this. So yeah. That's where the one big badass comes from. And it was like a long story. It's a lot that happened, but I would just use it as a hashtag and all the swimwear that I would post and just hashtag one boob badass. And so now I call myself the retired one boob badass because I only, I have two breasts again because I had, I finished all the reconstruction. Mm. So yeah, you had, um, surgery. So now you have two. Yeah. So I had a fourth surgery about a year ago. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I, such an amazing story like thank you so much for sharing it with us it's so amazing when the world tells you no 
and you you know deep in your soul that that's those snows from like four people should not matter to you like you know that you can do a lot more than that and that's that's the stories that I looked forward and those are the stories that I enjoy those are the stories that make me think that what I'm doing and what I'm capable of is like possible if someone like you who obviously has had something a lot more um, hard to go through than me just being short I think you know short is still hard I'm short so like kind of had that double whammy so and I mm-hmm. sympathize with short girls I get it it sucks but the good thing is that it's no longer something that's going to hold you down because mm-hmm. these agencies are not looking at it anymore and if uh, I see you say it a lot that if they if they're saying you're too short they're using that as a cover for something else like it's just easy to say oh you're too short and move on but then you look at their board and you're like I'm taller than some of your girls yeah it's kind of just them passing but that's like their way of saying it and so Mm -hmm. I I know like a lot of girls who are short like us and you just got to keep doing it because eventually you're going to get a yes and that's what happened to me eventually I got a yes um I you know my agencies dropped me I I had no agencies uh I had one agency and I'm still with them to this day because they believed in me even when others didn't and they stepped up for people or like for me so I could keep working and so they're, mm-hmm. they're very important to me but um on my fourth surgery the day of state models called me and asked me to come in and I was like there's no way I'm coming in right now because I literally just got out of surgery I was on the phone with them I don't even remember talking to them and they're like well can you come in in two days and I was like I don't know. I mean, I was bandaged. I had drains. I was, there was no way. And so my husband was like, you're doing it. Let's go. So he got me dressed, did my hair, did my makeup. I went into state models with a hoodie because I couldn't put any clothes on. Yeah. And they were like, we love you. We love your story. We'll take it. And that was like the first person, the first time a big agency with me being short and my story looking the way I did, they were like, yes, absolutely. And that was like, after that, other people were like, oh, no, we want you. No, we want you. And I was like, mm, no, <laughs> stay here. So moral of the story is just keep going. Yeah. Because when they say you're too short or whatever, even like with curve models, like mm-hmm. that was the thing back in the day, but now it is. And so they just keep pushing because eventually you can be the person who changed the industry. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, I love it. And I noticed that you are, you were a top finalist, top 60 for Sports Illustrated swimsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did the open casting on 2018 mm-hmm. and I went to Miami and I had, I, I, I blogged the entire thing because it was like crazy. I don't know if you went in person, but you did, did? Mm-hmm. Oh, in 2018? No, no, no. I went at, uh, 2019 was my first year. Of- 2019. So when I went in 2018, like it was, well, I must have been the same thing in 2019 when you went because like the line was insane. Like I, I was in line for, I think, eight to 10 hours. I, I don't know how long you were in line, but I was literally in line for eight to 10 uh, um, eight to 10 hours last year they I don't know if they did this year or year but last year they did an Instagram contest 
um, mm -hmm. where you could put up a video and I actually won the contest. So me and 24 other girls from Instagram went out to Miami and the day where everyone was standing in line, we were actually with MJ and Usai and a couple of the Sports Illustrated models talking to them about like, like what to expect, like what's going to come next, that kind of stuff. And then we went into an interview. Um, I had my interview with Joe and she's amazing. Um, mm -hmm. And I told her my story and she was like, they told you what? And I'm like, yeah, that's what they told me. And she was like, no, we don't even like, don't even think that. Don't even come into this thinking that. Um, so I actually didn't stay in line. I didn't have like kind of that experience. I had a mm -hmm. horrible time getting to Miami, but that's like a whole different story. <laughs> um, I was by myself mm -hmm. uh, in Miami. And so I got a hotel room that day. And about nine o'clock at night, I got a text message and it said, congratulations, you're top 60. That's crazy. So, so, I went like, so you were just to 60 because it was just the Instagram contest. And then from the Instagram contest, you got, um, they brought in the girls who were in line and that's how they got their 60. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I, I, uh, I remember like, cause I, I went in person in 2018 and then I did it through Instagram in 2019 and I, it, it's just uh, like, do you even know how many people are like applying? I, I think it's like in the thousands, right? Like, uh, I think at the end of the Instagram videos, there were about 30,000 entries That's just insane. through Instagram. And then I think probably about 10,000 people showed up to the open call. That's just crazy. So from like basically like 40,000 people, you made it to 60. So that's an incredible um, achievement, to be honest. Like, I, I know you did not make it to, you know, the Swift 16 and like, the, like how did it, did it end up choosing like one model from the Swift 16? So they go from 16 to top six and those six get to be in the magazine. One of my friends and another lady that I met through it, um, got to be top six so they did their um their shoot and stuff which is like so amazingly crazy and I'm so excited for them I'm gonna buy yeah. every issue that comes out of them <laughs> yeah but so from there I, I believe they pick a cover model but I don't know who that will be and I know that by now usually they have announced but because of everything that's going on they didn't have like a release party for the magazine so I don't know what they're going to be doing this year mm -hmm. or yeah I yeah I, I'm not sure exactly like how how they do with the process but I do know that Sports Illustrated swimsuit like the issue has skyrocketed careers for so many models like before yeah before you were a nobody and then you got into Sports Illustrated and then you you it's like Victoria's Secret contract what? Um, so like Juju, she was top seven. We, they actually did a top 17 last year. They picked, they couldn't narrow it down enough. So they picked 17 girls and then they ended up bumping her up to a rookie, like in the middle of the contest. And then probably about two months later, she was shooting, she already had a career. So like that I'll kind of say, but she ended up shooting Victoria's Secret, not shortly after she shot Sports Illustrated. So you can yeah. see her in like, catalogs now I know she, she had a really really amazing career before that but like I'm pretty sure that sports it opened her a lot more like bigger doors after. yeah and I see like um some of your posts where you talk about like um some of the sports illustrated models and like um 
their stories and stuff. And I will say that a lot of them are shorter girls. Mm -hmm. So yeah, keep girls for the win. <laughs> yeah. So, well, so you, you are five, seven, right? Yes. <laughs> so, so for like, I know when, even when you Google, like, like petite models height, you will see that five, seven is where it starts like five, seven to like mm -hmm. five, one is what's considered like petite, like a petite model. And for me being like five, three, for me, five sevens, it's not really like short, short. Like for me, like you're tall enough, like you could like make your way. Realistically, through. I'm probably like five, six, but they bump me up. That's the thing. Oh. A lot of the models that you will see who are five, seven are not five, seven. They're probably like five, six and a half. Or something no, like that, or if five, not six. five, six, like a yeah. lot of the girls who are five, seven are just, they just say they're five, seven, like the agencies do. Mm -hmm. I'm probably not much taller than you. Oh, and that was something that like really messed with me was that I would meet these girls and they'd be like, oh, I'm five, seven. And then I'd meet them and I'm like, are you? Yeah. <laughs> so that was something that I did learn is that agencies are not always truthful with certain people. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's true because, uh, I, I mean, I wasn't sure about you in particular, but I do have noticed a lot of models, like I see them on like the agency's roster and it says like mm -hmm. five, seven or like five, six. And then I go maybe to an interview they did and they said, said their height and it says that they're way shorter than that. So that's when I realized, okay, like agencies will take you if you're shorter. Like it's yeah. not, it's not such, it's not a big deal. Um, but Maybe. like for yourself, so I'm assuming that even though you were, you're um, like five, six and a half. So have you ever felt like you were too short tomorrow? Like, have you ever like stopped yourself being like, oh, I'm too short. Oh. Look, I can't do this. All the, I mean, even yesterday, like um, all the time, um, you, before my surgeries and stuff, I, I've been modeling since I was like 14 and I've had, you know, like back in the day and have agencies, big agencies reach out to me and go, Oh, we love your look. And then they go, Oh, you're, you're this height though. And I'm like, mm -hmm. but you like the look and I look tall in photos. So what stops you? So, right. So like, that was something that like always kind of messed with me. But now, you know, being a working model going in rooms a lot, especially in LA, because commercial is huge here. I mean, most of the stuff you're going to see is commercial. So mm -hmm. um, you walk into rooms and you're the same height as everyone. And you're like, Hmm. But I know that your agency says that you're five eight. But and there's only one model that I can name, who's also a Coco girl, um, who walks. We'll walk into castings together, and she's the tallest girl there. And she's like, she's really six feet tall, but she's the tallest girl there because everybody else is like five seven, but they're yeah. five eight. She shouldn't be that much taller than them, but she is. Mm -hmm. And that's once you start going to these things and like realizing that they're not right on the height then it kind of opens it up for you like okay i do belong here then and i think it's all a mind thing yeah like, yeah if you tell yourself you're too short to model then everyone's gonna be like oh yeah she's too short to model but the second you're like i'm, like I'm, I'm tall i'm tall yeah. in my head like i'm i might be five seven but i'm five eleven in my head then people are like oh yeah yeah she's tall yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's all about like you know believing in yourself to be honest because like i and i'm, I'm telling you this like i'm, I'm saying like like you, you look or you're like a little bit taller than I am. And for me, like that helps you 
but I, I get messages from girls that are actually like five, seven, they're not even like five, six and a half. They're like actually five, seven or even five, eight. And they tell me that they believe they're too short to model. So it's crazy how they have this idea because of what they maybe read online or maybe when they apply to an agency, it says like they have to be five, nine. I think a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people still go back to like modeling as runway Mm -hmm. and like not thinking about how even like being on a box of Cheerios is modeling. Yeah. Uh, it's just a commercial type, but I think a lot of people go back to what models they've never been to a fashion show in real life. Maybe. Right. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I haven't been to like a Chanel fashion show. I wouldn't know. Um, but these girls, just like you and I, we look way taller in photographs. So if you're already five, nine and you photograph tall, you're going to look like you're six, seven, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's where they're getting the idea of like height. So maybe they're like, well, I'm five, eight, but I'm looking at Coco and she looks like she's six, seven. I'm going to be like, Oh wow. I can't model. I'm too short. But when you meet Coco, she's not short, but she's not like, you know what I mean? She, she didn't tower us. Yeah. 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 I think, I think, I mean, I'm not sure exactly where they're getting it from, but some of the models do get it from agencies. You know, they're like maybe like five, seven or five, eight and agencies tell them like, Oh, you're too short. And for me, that's crazy because like clearly you're not like I'm five, three, I am modeling. So clearly you at five, seven, five, eight, you're you're fine. You know, I think that again, it's just a nice way to say we're not interested at this time because sometimes they just aren't in the mood to deal Mm. with you or maybe they just don't have the time. I don't know. I, I mean, I like to think that agents aren't mean, but, um, sometimes it's just like the luck of the draw. I mean, I know that Coco talks about, and I don't know if she told you guys this, that she was like, she went to a casting and they picked her over like three times. And then she came back and they're like, where have you been my whole life? And she's like, literally here. Like I was here, but Mm -hmm. they didn't see her the first time. And I mean, Camille Costick talks about that too, where they didn't see her the first time. And it was like later on that people noticed her. So like, I just think it's timing, honestly, not height. It's not your look. It's not, it's just pure timing. So yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. So, like, I've noticed that, like, same as me, you're represented by several, like, boutique agencies. And I just wanted to ask you, like, what have been, like, the coolest or, like, the greatest opportunities that you have been able to get through, like, your boutique agencies or even on your own? Um, Because I feel like also, like, so many of us, including myself, maybe, like, back when I started, we believe that only through up top modeling agency, you're going to be able to get, you know, the jobs that you dream of. But in reality, like you can get really good jobs by being without a smaller agency. I'm going to, so I'm going to start off by saying just never give up on your dreams. Like that's the biggest thing I take away. Um, and keep thinking about what your dream is because I booked the vanity fair and glamor without an agent. Mm-hmm. So that was purely me. So, well, not me. I mean, there was a lot of yeah. behind the scenes things, but like yeah, that. Yeah. But, but you didn't have an agent to help you out. No, I didn't. It wasn't like something that they, someone did for me. It was like me working with a person and that's how we did that. Um, boutique agencies are great. I think that's something that people don't know is that unless it's like a direct booking through your agency, you're most likely on a casting site. So any agency has 
the ability to be on a casting site and so do you. So you can sign up and submit yourself, submit yourself for stuff. That is something that you can completely do. Um, I, I did an in-styler shoot by myself. I just submitted and they called me in and they booked me. So you definitely can build. And I know a lot of freelance models who work more than I do and they just work their butts off. But I think that's like a common like misconception is you have to have a certain agency to see certain clients. And it's just not true. Um, with my boutique agency, I got, I went to an Hermes casting. Mm -hmm. I went to a Marc Jacobs casting. I went to, um, I did a Louis Vuitton job, a freaking fly in my house. I keep my door open because my dogs can run in and out, but you know. Yeah. Flies so you, you work for, you shot for Louis Vuitton? I was the stand-in model for uh, Lea Savo and I don't remember her name, but she's Tomb Raider, the new one. I don't, and Emma Stone was supposed to be there too, but she broke her shoulder that day. So oh, that was like a while ago. But it, that was really cool because, you know, you're working with these amazing photographers and amazing people. And with sets like that, the client is on set and watching. So, like, I met all the people from Louis Vuitton who, like, coordinate the shoot. And, like, watching them do it was crazy. So, basically, I held the purses for when they needed to, like, get the close-up shots because mm -hmm. they weren't going to do it. I mean, I wouldn't either. I'd be like, okay, bye. Um, they had to go to a, a like a red carpet event afterwards. So I'm like, okay. Uh -huh. um, but it so was it's still, along the ad. It's like it will be your like you can see your hands. It, yeah, I don't know how they I don't know how they did it, but like I literally just like held the purse and they would show me the picture that they and they chose the picture right on the spot. They're like, this is what we're using, and then they would have me hold it in the exact way so that they could focus it, and then they like Photoshop it into. It's crazy. And, oh, wow. and they also posed them. I don't know if that's every Louis Vuitton shot. I mean, clearly not, but they like were posing like what they wanted. And I thought that was cool too. Cause it was like, they, Different. Knew, they knew what they wanted. And I was like uh -huh. the coolest experience in my life. And they helicoptered the girls in. That was cool too. Cause I'm like oh, just sitting wow. there and they like bring this helicopter in and I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, um, I got to be on set with like all the Louis Vuitton people, which was really cool. And I think that being a stand-in is great because then you stop stressing about the next time you'll be in the room with these people because you've met them, you know, they're nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and I just wanted to ask you like with your story, with the things you have been through, um, the fact that you are a petite model, like what advice what like I, I you already gave us like some great advice already but like to finish this off like what advice would you give to a model or an aspiring model that doesn't feel like she's she's enough you know she feels like her nose is not right or like her face is not like perfectly symmetrical or like um she's not thin enough or tall enough like what would you tell them um I would say you are enough and that representation for everyone is so important throughout the industry. Everyone. You know, I, I desperately needed to see someone in a magazine who had one breast. And that is so random. <laughs> like, but I needed that. And so yeah. there are so many people who maybe like, I, 
I don't know, their nose is not their favorite, but they want to see someone who has a similar nose. Like you, representation throughout the industry is just so important for everything. I mean, and uh, to be honest, like the most amazing thing about being a model is that you don't have to be perfect. And I don't know where that people got this idea that you have to be perfect, like, you know, symmetrical face and lips and whatever to be a model, but that's not true. And perfect is boring. And it's so important to bring yourself into the industry so that other girls grow up and go, okay, I want to be like her. I mean, there, there are girls looking at these new models that are, you know, like, you know, that are imperfect. I hate, I hate that. I hate society's definition of perfect. So I hate, but like me, like I have scars. I, even now my boobs are super weird looking because I have no skin to cover them. So like even seeing a model with like ripples, which is what they're, they're called or like scars is so important to like younger girls, you know, looking, yeah. I, I know you probably watched America's Next Top Model growing up, but you know how she, Tyra always talked about like inclusivity and like being in, within the modeling industry. Like that was so important that like boosted my confidence and we needed to do the same for younger girls they need to see girls like them within the industry so like if you can do that for someone then you should and that's yeah. what i would say don't do it for yourself anymore like if you have i don't know maybe a gap in between your teeth and you're like i don't know if i can be a model don't think about it for yourself anymore think about it for the little girls who are going to grow up being like i want to be like her because i have a gap in between my teeth and yeah. that's what will feel you because yeah, my I uh, sorry, okay, go on, go on. My um, my love and passion for modeling did not take off, and I mean, I always loved it. I mean, I would sit and watch America's Next Top Model like nobody's business, and but it didn't really fulfill me until I had a reason and a person I was doing it for, and it was for other people like me, like other survivors, other previvors, other um, women who are going through what I had to go through. So that that like changed my perspective. Yeah, it gave, it gave uh, modeling uh, a meaning, mm -hmm. and like it, it, the same thing happened to me. Like I, I, oh, like I said, I always loved modeling. I always liked it, and I always wanted to do it. But it was until I realized that I was like too short to be a model. Until I started getting rejected due to my height. Until I started, like you said, desperately trying to find people that look like me, and I couldn't find them. That's when I, that's when I decided like, okay, like if I cannot find this information and I cannot find the inspiration, like I'm going to be that person for my previous self, you know, for girls that are just starting out and they cannot find it. Like I'm going to be that person for them. So definitely like you might think that you have a disadvantage because like, like you said, like you're too short or like you, you have a nose that's different or like your size, whatever it is that makes you different. Like that at the end of the day boosts your career. Like that mm -hmm. makes you want for more and that gives a meaning to your career other than just being a pretty face that gets photographed and gets paid for it. Like I, I think having an intention aside from just being in front of the camera feels so much better than just being perfect and just getting paid for it. Winnie. Winnie, stop it. Um, yeah, no, and I, I completely agree with you. And even like for models who are already established, you know, like, I mean, I modeled for a while and I saw your stuff and you like boosted for me. Like, I was like, oh my God, like 
this is amazing to see someone who's talking about being a petite model because a lot of the time people will not admit that they're petite. Like it's just something that they don't do. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Seven. And you're like, no, you're not. But so having someone who's like openly saying, I'm, you know, I'm five three and I'm a model, like get over it. it that's like amazing. So I think the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway for people is to find what's different about you and celebrate it. And that's what you should be going into castings with is, you know what? I have a gap in between my teeth. Book me for that. And people are going to book you for that. Um, yeah. Book me because I have scars and people book me because I have scars. Book me because I have, I don't know, a nose that, I mean, I said that already, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. you need to find what's different about you and celebrate it. Cause that's, what's the most important part about the industry. Anybody can take a pretty picture. I mean, really, truly. Yeah. But it, you need to represent little girls and who they want to be when they grow up. Yeah, that that's beautiful. And I love it. And I support it 100%. <laughs> and I think that's, that's exactly the type of models that we need in the industry. Um, so I, I am super happy for you. I'm super proud of you. And I, I love your story. Um, I, Please keep going. Please keep representing models. I know that we're only humans and sometimes we get discouraged, but I, I can see you have a bright, bright future ahead of you. Thank you. So thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Of course. Um, just thank you. And thank you for everything you're doing for the new up and coming generation of models, because seriously it's so important i mean do you remember when you were a kid and like there was no imperfections in the models and how yeah. just horrible and horrifying that was to like i used i'm super freckled right and i used to put lemon juice on my face because i didn't want to have freckles because the women in the magazines didn't and now it's like people love freckles i am obsessed with freckles i love freckles <laughs> but i used to hate them and now it's like now they're celebrated and look at how many people are coming out and going oh my god i want freckles and getting them tattooed on like that's how important this is in the industry you have to find what defines and makes you different and go with it and like that's the most important thing that's amazing well you guys you listen to ali <laughs> she's right so embrace yourself and just go for it so thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it so much. I appreciate you.